So, we live in a world which is good and bad. So how do we defeat the enemy? The enemy of this world, which is present daily. So, today's readings are about the good and bad of this world and how we can defeat. And what do we do to defeat the enemy? Okay, so the greatest mistake you can make with evil is to overestimate it or to under, underestimate its influence. It doesn't have ultimate power, but also isn't powerless. Evil is active and at some point may have influenced your thoughts. How does that sound? Yeah? Today, we live in a strange world with headlines that depress us all. Just turn on the TV or pick up the daily newspaper and you'll see that. Good leaders, they get derailed. People that struggle against each other and even themselves. It's like there's a virus in the system that we just can't seem to shake. And that's because there is. And the key to overcoming the activity and influence of evil in your life is first to recognize it. When you expose it to the light of Christ, evil loses its power. <coughs> so here are some strategies that the devil uses against us and the church. Now going back to okay, the virus in the air system, Ephesians 2, 2 to 3, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So it's all biblical. The, the, the study Bible, it says the course of this world. The world course signifies all the tendencies, thoughts, pursuits, deeds, and so on that characterize the present period of history. This world means world system, that is, those philosophies, values, lifestyles that are opposed to God and hostile to Him. Before conversation, the, the Ephesians used to conduct themselves in accordance with such ungodly values. <coughs> the prince of the power of the air, it may be read, the ruler of the kingdom in the air. They also used to live by the dictates and the wishes of Satan from an early age. Okay, so some of the strategies he, were, he, he does in the, in the church is division. To separate something into parts. If there's one plan of action Satan comes back to again and again, it's creating division in the church. And why wouldn't he? It works. I've been to churches, and I know Ben Ask has been with me, and as soon as you walk in, you hear the gossip about other members of the church, and surely that shouldn't be. Strangely, in our culture, some Christians wear this as a badge of honour, whereas, in fact, it's quite the opposite. Paul, 
He actually defies human behaviour, human behaviour, sorry, motivated by God and the enemy. In Galatians 5, he begins by listing the characteristics of people whose lives are under the influence of evil, hatred, discord, sexual immorality, jealousy, impurity, debauchery, dissension, fits of rage, envy and conceit. Sadly, too much of that sounds like church. You see it all the time, you hear it all the time. The list sounds like a job description for self-righteous Christians. Actually, it's Satan's job description. In contrast with what the Holy Spirit generates in people's lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Contrast there is so different. So which way are we going? I know which way I'd rather be. And that's not to say that I haven't been the other way, because I have. In 1 Corinthians 1, 10 to 13, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. There be no divisions, divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment, we all, we all have got to think alike and do what's good for one another. To show this love to one another, God's love to us is agape love. Our love will be shown to one another. It shouldn't just be at home or on a, on a Sunday, on a Monday. As Ben was speaking last week, on Monday, sorry, he was speaking about integrity. Well, that's how we should be. We should have the same love inside us and on the outside to everybody. You know, and there is another scripture in the Bible there that says, if you just show the love to the people you love, what rewards that? You should show that anyway, shouldn't you? And that is so easy to do, but then showing it to other people, that's where we, that's where we get tripped up. Romans 16:17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offences, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good, simple concerning evil, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Yeah. Once again, it's saying there who we, who we mix with, who we drink our coffee with. You know, if people are, you know, they're not living accordingly, then don't, don't mix with them. Or teach them the way, show them the way, invite them to the Alpha courses or Truth Reveal courses. You know these are the these are the things that he's saying to us. Serve not our Lord, anyone who mars the 
the unity or harmony of the local church does not serve the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of his claim. He puts his interest above his interest above the welfare and interest of the local church. He wants it for himself. That is not of God. Another one that he uses is arrogance. Arrogance can creep in so easily among church leaders and the congregation. There are two primary ways Christians succumb to arrogance, success and by using a common but false definition of maturity. The most difficult test of character is not in failure, it's in success. And here is why. It's easy to be humble when you're, when you're failing. It's far too easy to take the credit when things are going well. And as a result, leaders of growing churches and ministries always have a daily fight with arrogance. Or at least, hopefully, there is. Because if there isn't, arrogance will win. And you also see that in the workplace when you've done something and somebody else has took all the credit for, and they do. The goal of a Christian leadership, after all, it's not getting people to follow you, but it's getting people to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. And if the battle against pride isn't daily, pride will win. Another way that arrogance creeps in is when we use Christian maturity as knowledge. If you listen to many in the churches today, you think knowledge equals maturity. The more you know, the more mature you are. But we know that's not the case as well. Scripture suggests that this would be a false test. As Paul points out, knowledge puffs up. That's in 1 Corinthians 8.1. Love builds up, knowledge makes you arrogant. Love fosters humility. So as a Christian, you need to be daily transformed by love and humility. When you do that, you can, and you will, resist the devil. It's so hard in some of these, you know. In Mark 7, 20, 23, and he said, What comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. That's mankind, not just a man. That's all of us. What does it mean then when it defiles you? Well, it says who you are. If people look at you for what you are and you're doing those, then when you tell them, then, oh, yeah, yeah, I go to church. Yeah. Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which, with which you were called. We were all called. We we're all called here today. We we're all called to, into God's kingdom. 
And for those who are here today, these are the ones who have listened, been obedient. And we're trying, we are trying to be a better person and live better lives. With all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. <coughs> the Bible talks a lot about love all the way through. In Romans 2, 6, 8, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Another one, discouragement. So, if you're feeling beat up by the first two points, in different seasons you may, I mean, you may have been, or by both of them, you might gravitate towards another of the devil's favourite strategies, discouragement. Discouragement, it says, I'm no good. I'm not making a difference. I always mess up. Or, what's the point? What's the point in all this reading, not understanding it? Yeah, I mess up all the time, so why should I do it? I might as well give it all up. For a lot of us, we've, all, we've been there. <coughs> Once again, I definitely have. And Wendy has, by the look of the hand. <laughs> But I, I believe none of those messages are from God. Because God wants us to be lifted up, dusted down, and try it again. The best antidote to a lie is the truth. Ground yourself in the truth. And thy word is truth. The Bible is the truth. So read your Bible, study your Bible, ask your questions about the Bible. When when you do read your Bible, it's not just like you're reading a newspaper. You just read a bit and throw it away and then come back to it. If you're reading it and you're serious about it, you read it, study it. And if you're still not sure, then ask. There's somebody in this room who can help everybody else. And that's, that is the fellowship within our church. And that's what grows. It grows you. As Ben said, and what Wendy said earlier as well, and David, sorry, you know, those some people that don't want to step out of that comfort zone, even changing the room round today, it's change. People don't like to change. But you have to have that little bit of faith. Mustard seed of faith is what it says in the Bible. To step out, and you can grow. Otherwise, you just stay as you are. In Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. With all your heart, not on your own understanding. How many of us have failed with that one? Yeah? I'll do it my way. Yeah? And then I'll do it my way again. Till eventually you say, there's got to be another way. Yeah, 
Louise will tell you I've not been there. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths, and he will. Philippians 4, 6-7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So in everything, in prayer, supplication, bad times, good times, that's everything. Yeah, we go through them all. And how, how many of us then, when we're going through these good times, we don't give thanks to the one who made that possible in the first place? Even the unbelievers, at some point in their lives, okay, when they're in their desperate need, they get on their knees and they'll pray. Who to? If they don't believe in Christ to start with, then who they're praying to? And they say that we're the weird people. Mark 10:27. Jesus looked at him. Uh, sorry, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. Here's your Bible. Yeah, it's all in there. You have to take our time and read it. Okay? It's discouragement that was, okay? Now self-pity. How many of us will suffer with that one as well? When to you keep your hand down? Give somebody else a chance. <laughs> if, the, if discouragement is left unchecked, it grows. Self-pity is discouragement on steroids. Self-pity chisels in stone what, discourage, what discouragement whispers. It tells you there is no way out. That this is the only way, this is the only way, the way it will always be. And at the same time it tells you, it's not your fault. Even though none of this is, then you start to believe in both. Self-pity is dangerous, is dangerous, because it moves you to the sidelines. Living in a state of self-pity means you don't need anyone else to take you out of the game. Why? Because you've already done it. You've took you away. I'll go, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to Bible study. Yeah? I don't need to have no fellowship. Whereas I know, and you, you know as well, I've tried doing it in my own way as well and failed. And come back and gone again and failed. And then come back and have stayed. But it's, it does, it's a, it's a test of you, of you as well and your faith and your patience with one another as well. It's an incredibly effective way, completely different to the gospel. The final thing self-pity does is rob you of your joy. You say to Satan, he can't steal your salvation, but he can steal your joy and your faith. And 
he delights in doing it. Yeah? He can, only if we let him. If we're weak enough, or if we're listening to what I've just been reading. Yeah? I tell, honestly, the, the struggles I've had with reading these and, and the, the things in my head, nah, 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 just throw it away. Just throw it away. You haven't got to read that. You haven't got to... Yeah. If we let him do these things and let him rule our mind, then yeah, of course he will. But we have power, as Wendy said again, through the Holy Spirit who guides us and needs our protection. Put Jesus first. Put God first. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Yeah, in Jeremiah, I'm only using this because I have it there. <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen, Amen indeed. One, 1 Corinthians. Sorry. 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. In everything, we give thanks and praise. And another one. <laughs> the slight crossing of moral lines. So how does it happen? Often it happens when we start to compromise on the small things. Like the tithes and the offering. Maybe you just shade the truth a little in the conversation to make yourself or the situation look better than they really do or they really are. <coughs> the first moral lapse is always the hardest, then it gets easier. You are trapped in sin. This sin, once again, is not from God. The devil will always try and you put, it's like a tug of war, isn't it? Every day, every day, every week, every year. And when do you put something on? Do you have this, this, these uh, problems with your family when you're trying to get them to come to church? Come to, yes, every, I think everybody does. Everybody does. We have, haven't we? With our, with our children as well. They've all been on the Truth Reveal, the Alpha. And then they've gone away come back, gone away, come, you think, well, why? They see how better that we're definitely, that we're living in, on the progression that we've made, the pro you know. So, and you think, well, why don't they want better as well? Because God wants what's best for you, if you follow. So, maybe you're asking God for more in your life, or in leadership. But whenever, whenever you ask God for more, he usually asks you, what are you doing with what he's already given you? 
Are you, are, you, are you spending your money wisely? Are you saving? Are you preparing for your futures? What are you doing with your daily readings? Or you're your learning what you've learned? Your, your free gift, what he gave you, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are we sharing this? Yeah? Are we talking to people? Okay. If it if you're not faithful in the little things, you won't be faithful in the bigger things. The little things are your tithes and your offering. But if you can't be faithful in that first, then the, the, the better things, the greater things that he wants to give, give you for your life and to help the kingdom. You can't be trusted to do that because you, you can't do the little things first. It's like when you're a child, you can't run. When you, you've got to learn to walk first and then run. That's the same. Obedience, it may seem boring or inconvenient in the short term, but it's richly and deeply satisfying in the long term. In 2 John 1 to 6, 1 6, sorry, and this is love that we walk in, obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Walk in love for one another and for yourself. As Mark points out, that's one of the hardest things in loving yourself. Ephesians 5, 5, it says, For this you know with certainty, that no, that no immoral or impure person or, or covetous man who is the idolater as inheritance in the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians, it says, in 15.33, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Once again, I said that earlier. Yeah. Though we are naturally, we're not more powerful than Satan. We can become more powerful than Satan because of the Holy Spirit. God gives to us when we become Christians. The further away you get from God, the weaker you get. That's why we need our Bible study, our church. And I did like that what Ben said. He's, he's going to put us to a test and everybody bring one person next week. Yeah. If you feel like God has forgotten you, he hasn't. God has numbered every hair on your head and knows them. Sometimes he takes his hands off the wheel for us to be tested and gives us the freedom to make our own choices. He's deeply, intimately and consistently involved in what you're, you're going through. In your good times, in your bad times, he's there. Have you got that faith though to get down on your knees and pray to him? Because the devil doesn't want you to. He'll pull you away. In Psalms 37, <coughs> sorry, no, but I've lost that one. No, I haven't. No, sorry, I've got it. I'm not too far away from it anyway. 37. 
He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and my judgment as the noonday. In Romans, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? God only wants what's good for us. Doesn't want the bad things. Even though we may feel at the time, you know, that's, that's not for me, surely. It is for you, because he will direct your thoughts. That path that you want to take is the path that God's chosen for you. In John 10, he says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is Satan. He has come to steal your faith and your belief. He carries on in John. I have come that you may have life, and that they have it more abundantly. In Deuteronomy, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And in Psalms 34, he says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. No matter what we go through, in, in life there's always a way out of it We've been through, I've been through a lot of difficult times as we know um, and just turning to God it does help and he definitely helped me so I would definitely encourage you all to start being obedient I know we are as well but more obedient to the word study on the word get to know more about the people of the church I keep joking with um, Alan at the back there about going on a diet when he starts to read the Bible so because of him I'm putting on weight <laughs> thanks Alan <laughs> Matthew 12 he says he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me, he scatters abroad. If you're with God, he will work with you. It, it is, it's like, it is like a marriage. It's a two-way thing. You do a bit, I'll do a bit. You do a bit more, then I'll do a bit more. Us, we went it the other way. You do everything for me first, and then I'll follow you. But it's not like that. So defeating this, this uh, the enemy... It's the word of God is what defeats him, the enemy. Put God first in all you do, your Bible study. Have fellowship. Meet other Christians and work together. Pray for one another. A lot of us struggle with that. Ephesians 6, 11, it says, put in the whole armour of God you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, I'll finish here with a, a psalm as well. 
Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.